Hello, Singap Land. My name is Michael Grawley, and this episode 131 of Singap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Singap 1. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, and I got a few big thoughts for you and a few pieces of news. Big thought number one, with the exception of the incredible clinicians we work with closely, the vast majority of doctors in America, actually, not just America, are making stuff up when they treat Singapians, right? This has become so clear to me in the past couple of weeks, it's headache-inducing. There's some amazing doctors we work with doing a great job. There are a lot of doctors out there who are consulting, who are looking for answers, who are doing their best, who are partnering with physicians. And then there's some doctors who are just like, Syngap, Schmingap, this is what I do, let's try it. And this is a problem, right? We have to really up our game in how we're engaging with doctors and how we're supporting each other as parents to go back to doctors and say, you said this, and I went back and I checked with 200 of my closest friends who all have Syngapians, and we think this. Discuss, right? We've got to up our game on this, guys, because some of the stories I'm hearing are wild. And I'm going to share a couple of them with you. And I'm also going to share some good news. But the, the takeaway from all of those is we need to work better as a community to document what we know by getting it into literature. And how do we do that? By supporting clinicians to write papers and by taking part in these research studies. Thought one. Thought two, this is the age of repurposing, right? We, this is the year of repurposing. We are about to go get into some serious nitty-gritty on repurposing drugs. The good news is, hopefully we're going to find drugs that can help our kids soon. Bad news is, this stuff is complicated. Third thought for this podcast, a lot of other news and tidbits, studies, et cetera. Let me, let me go back to thought one. I heard three stories this week. I'll start with the good one. I was talking to your dad complaining about um kid having a lot of tantrums kids older and i said what meds is he, was he on again and dad's like uh he's not on any meds just on a vns and i was like wild a vns has made such a difference in this kid's life and i was reminded by lauren lauren is so smart and she was like you know remember will he was on a vns and then the vns stopped working because eventually the battery dies and in that time between when the battery died and when the hospital was able to replace it his seizures went up and his behaviors went down holy smokes, the VNS made such a big difference and it stopped drops. Do we really talk about VNS enough? I don't know. And actually, Lauren's created a group, links in the show notes. If you have a VNS, please join that group. If you're curious about VNS, join that group. And and let's talk about VNS. And maybe that is, uh, for some of our patients who are just not making any progress on the meds, or maybe if the, even if they are, maybe the VNS is a viable option that we don't talk about enough. That was the, that was the positive thought. Start with, the, that was the good news. Medium news. Met a mom, kids on Keppra. Admittedly, kid was kid was given Keppra before Syngap diagnosis. But in light of Syngap diagnosis, <clears throat> and the behaviors were getting bad. I mean, this this mom was recently visiting a hospital near me, stayed at my house, and I saw this beautiful little girl, tiny beautiful little girl, bring the house down with her screams, just about getting changed. She was not having it, and I was like, yeah, that's that's Syngap level grumpy, but it was. Syngap plus Kepra level grumpy. And you have to ask yourself, I'm not a doctor, it's not medical advice, but there's a lot of first-line anti-seizure drugs out there. We know Kepra has a serious impact on behaviors and mood. Why are we using Kepra to treat Syngap seizures? It's a totally fair question. Doctor's answer, I like Kepra. Deal with, just give them an SSRI or something. It's just, just mood, just deal with it. Doctors, neurologists, epileptologists, they focus on seizures. But I'm telling you right now, 
The clinical community underestimates the behaviors that we face as parents, and it is our job to beat it into their thick, highly educated skulls. This is no joke. Seeing that behavior is bad. If you really believe in Capra, isn't there a better version of Capra that has less behaviors? Yes, there is. It starts with a B. But aren't there other bunch of other drugs out there? Yes, there are. Good news. This mom um, has seen her doctor and has gone on to uh, um, off Capra and on to Benzo. Yay! Progress. Story number three. And this one, I'm not going to get into details because I'm going to get too worked up. But I can tell you right now, this story's not over. Kid goes to the doctor, older kid, gets diagnosed with Syngap. Good news. Good job getting him diagnosed. Doctor proceeds to just do a lot of crazy stuff, right? Does the EEG. The child is having drops. The child is dropping in the clinic, right? On the video EEG. Drop, drop, drop. 20, 30 a day. Doctor's like, you know, I don't see any classic seizures on this EEG. I think we should discontinue meds. What? The child is having drops. How many syngapians have been told? Your EEG is a little weird, but yep, that's a seizure. Hands go up all across America, right? Our kids have weird EEGs, but those are definitely seizures. Doctor's like, oh, we don't need to be on any seizure meds. Mom calls me finally. She's like, child's dropping. Doctor says this. What do I do? I said, get a new doctor. It's hard. I don't care. Get a new doctor. Gets worse. Doctor's like, maybe we'll try Ficompa. What are you talking about? Yes, we have, we have a case study on Ficompa. Dr. Kadam's done some beautiful work on Ficompa. The focus of that work for clarity was sleep and cognition. We also have multiple, multiple stories within our community of kids trying Ficompa, very often at too high a dose. And as that drug accumulates, guess what happens? Crazy making behaviors like next level, even by Syngap standards. And when mom told me this, I was just like, oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, if I was mom talking to Mike for the first time right now, I would think Mike is crazy. So I, I, I put the call on hold. I called a medical doctor. I told the medical doctor the story. I said, what do you think about this? And the medical doctor was like, I get a new doctor. I was like, okay, thank you very much. But the takeaway is the same, guys. The takeaway is the same. We need to up our game on engaging with our doctors, saying, okay, that's what you think. Why do you think it? Coming back to the community, back to the SRF Facebook group and saying, hey, this is what my doctor said. This is what we're doing. This is what my spider sense says. What do you guys think? And a lot of the times we learn from the doctors, right? It was a doctor telling me about guanfacine that got me sold on guanfacine, right? It was doctors who wrote Clobazam and Epidiolex in combination, and that's rapidly becoming a norm for our community. These doctors Many doctors are doing incredible work for our patients, and some doctors are just pretending that they understand what Syngap is. And we need to make sure that we meet them where they are and we bring them up, and that we make sure that there's an abundance of literature out, out there to help them. And you guys are like, Mike, you need, to, you need to take better meds, dude. Why are you so worked up? I'm worked up because I get on the phone when, with parents whose kids are having drop seizures and the doctors are doing dumb things, and I'm sick of it, right? The, the level of suffering being taken on by our families is unacceptable and I'm over it. We need to start taking them to task and being like, have you read this paper? Do you understand what Syngap is? Why do you think this makes sense? Have you consulted with a Syngap expert? Why haven't you referred me to CHOP yet? 
We need to work harder. And I know we're all busting our asses. I get that. But we need to work harder with our clinical partners, our doctors and our nurse practitioners, and make sure they are up to speed on Syngap. Our website is chock full of great data, great videos, great papers. Send them there. And when your doctor gives you new meds, come back to the Facebook group and say, hey, this is the situation. This is the prescription. What do you guys think? Nine times out of 10, we'll all be like, yeah, it makes sense. And every now and then, everybody's going to be like, wait, they did what? Because I can tell you right now, some meds you put in our kids, things get worse, not better. All right, lecture complete. We need to work harder to help our, our, our doctors. How do we do that? We take part in studies. We raise money. We fund, we fund the creation of more papers that doctors can read so they don't have to believe us. Sad but true. Which studies are going on right now? Rochester. Do the Rochesters. 154 people have done Rochester. Do that study, people. It is a. It is a. It is going to inform how people think about clinical trials. Please do the study. One, two, go to Chop. If you haven't signed up to go to Chop, and there's any way you can get to Chop, go to Chop. That's going to produce incredible papers. Three, Fraser, make that tool. I'm going to come to this and I'm going to talk more about Fraser on repurposing. Make that tool work. Sign up for Fraser. Four, adults. Guess. Guess which one of your kids is going to become an adult with Syngap? God willing, absolutely all of them, right? We're all going to have an adult Syngapian. And guess what happens in our beautiful healthcare system when someone turns 21? All those pediatric neurologists who understand what monogenic diseases are are like, not my patient. And they go to an adult neurologist who's like, mono what? Syngap who? And we have to do it all again, right? And then we're going to bring them all these papers and they'll be like, yeah, but these are about kids. What about adults? And guess how many papers exist about adults with Syngap? One. It was done by Dr. Andrade because we begged her to do it. And now we're funding her to do a bigger study. And, we, and we've, we've found the best doctor on earth to do it, Dr. Andrade and colleagues in the Netherlands. We have funded the work with your money. Thank you very much, donors. But now we've got to push patients into that study. So if you have a patient who's 17 or older and you haven't signed up for the Andrade study, you got to do it. Don't do it for the community. Don't do it for the hundreds of thousands of Syngapians who will benefit from that work if that doesn't move you. Do it for your kid, right? Because that paper's coming out in a year and every doctor who treats that, your child, is gonna read that paper. Why? Because you're gonna hand it to them. And wouldn't it be nice if your child's data was a part of that paper? Please, I'm on bended knee. All of these, sign up. But if you've got a kid 17 or over, that Andrade study is super important. Okay, we got to educate doctors, take these studies, lecture complete, check one, check two, repurposing. Go to our website, right? You can go to our webinars channel, you, uh, section of our website. You can go to the blog about Science Day. You can go to our YouTube channel. Did you know there's over 360 videos on our YouTube channel? And you can subscribe to that with your Google ID, and then you just get notified every time Syngap Research Fund makes, makes a video. Pretty cool. If you go to our YouTube channel, webinars, or the blog on Science Day, you will see Three talks that I want you to listen to. Dr. Grinspan talking about forfenobutyrate, Dr. Chow talking about the flower screen, and Dr. Chris Moxham talking about the rare base screen. What do all these have in common? They are all about repurposing existing molecules for the benefit of our kids today. You've heard me talk in the past about trials and what are we going to measure and this is so important and one day, two or three years, future, future, future. Yes. And because we've been investing in this work, and I mean investing real money here, folks, we are finding molecules, all right? So Dr. Grinspan has the forfenobutyrate and we've been working closely with him to get him to give that to Syngapians and he is, number one. 
There's a lot of issues for on butyrate. I'll talk about that later. Just buckle up. We're in the right place for, the, right, for now. Number two, um, Dr. Clement Chow from the University of Utah Department of Genetics has done a fly screen. There's one clear winner there, and he's brought that to us, and we're paying him to do a little bit. We want to pay him to do a little bit more validation. But the punchline here is we think we have a molecule that is, is known to be safe, is given to humans in a lot of countries. Unfortunately, not in the U.S., but that's a separate problem. We'll get to it. Um, and we want, to give it to, we want to start giving it to humans as soon as we get this, this next test done. Dr. Chris Moxham, Rare Base, we have tested uh, a bunch of drugs in four patient lines. One of them, we have the results. Three of them are waiting on the results. These things take time. Punchline, there's at least one molecule in there that makes a lot of sense to test. So now I got three molecules, right? I got four phenylbutyrate, I got the, the chow molecule, and I got the rare base molecule. What do we do? You tell me. What do you want me to do with these molecules, right? Do we just say, hey, try these molecules. You go running to your doctor to try to get them. I can tell you which ones you will and won't find, and I can tell you what your doctor's gonna say. Wait, some dude on the internet told you to try this for your kid with a rare disease? Are you crazy? That's one potential answer. Another answer is, this molecule is not available in, the country, in this country. Another answer is, this molecule is available in this country, but it's old-fashioned, and I would never give it to a kid today. These are all answers that you'll get. How do I know? I've had these meetings. And then you're going to come back running to us. But Mike, you said this might help, and we did all these studies, so what do we do? Good question. Answer, probably we create an observational study with our own IRB, and we find a, clini a clinician who's willing to write this. This is going to get into, like, video meetings and, and it's, it's really complicated and, and the punchline is it's going to take there's ways that we can spend millions doing this and there's ways that we can just spend tens of thousands doing this I, i'm partial to the tens of thousands way but here's the question let's assume we solve all these tricky problems we get the molecule all this stuff is solved what do we measure i'm back to the what do we measure question if your kid has countable motor seizures that are not completely controlled, which many of us unfortunately are there, we measure a reduction in seizures if that happens. But what if they start talking more, right? What if they start sleeping better? What if they start beating up their siblings less? How do we measure that? What is the validated objective scale we use to measure those things? So instead of a parent being like, it worked, because clinicians are trained. Parents want it to work, so they say it's worked. They don't believe us. It's called the placebo effect. It exists. What are the objective measures we can use to convince our clinical colleagues that this is a molecule worth taking seriously? This is the question I'm still grappling with. By the way, we're working on one of them, the Fraser study. Sign up. Because that is a tool that we could use to show market improvement in a Syngapian if it happened after trying a repurposed drug. So the repurposed drug list, I've got three drugs on my, on my desk right now. Not, well, not on my desk, one of them, but whatever on my desk right now that we are thinking about. And I can tell you already, there's a couple other things coming, right? How do we test them? If this is something you're like, Mike, I want more. What the hell's going on? Call us, come to the meetings. There's no secrets here. We just have to do this in a way that is smart. And before we start dosing patients, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through to dose patients, um, we think about how we're collecting what data. So repurposing. Hope is on the horizon, guys, but it's not simple. And then let me get into um, new and exciting things. Oh, new and exciting things. I'm going tomorrow to uh, PMWC 
Precision Medicine World Conference, like an hour south of me, and and very graciously was invited to speak at that with on a panel with Nasha Fitter and Justin West and Yale Weiss. So I'm like by far the dumbest person on this panel. That's fine. It's great. I get to get up there. I wave the Syngap flag. I, I tell people about Syngap. Inevitably, someone comes and says, oh, I want to learn more about Syngap. So I've done my job. But it's going to be great. We're going to talk about um, making medicines for these rare monogenic diseases. Super cool. And I'm honored. And thank you, Yale, for that. But um, and then I'll come back and I'll tell you guys what I saw at the meeting because it's, it's gonna be a great meeting. I put the agenda for that session in there. But new things I want you to know about. There's a if you're in the UK, if you're across the pond, there's a study at Edinburgh called the Changes Study. Dr. Stanfield, who did this amazing white menorah for us recently, and Sydney um, Weisgold at PMWC or not PMWC P. WC, the Patrick Wild Center at Edinburgh, are doing a study. Please sign up for that if you're in the UK. You have to get to, you have to go to Edinburgh for a year, like in a year you have to go to Edinburgh to do some testing. It's worth it, guys. The team at Edinburgh is just world class. Also, great news, US families. UCB, which is an absolutely massive pharma company, is doing a scholarship for families affected by epilepsy. This is really nice of them. Anyone who's got an immediate family member with epilepsy, or if you have epilepsy, but the, obviously our kids won't be getting college scholarships but point is um if you're a family member or a caregiver for somebody with epilepsy like a syngapian you could apply for this that's the only criterion and it'd be a college scholarship and that's cool i know a couple of us have um college-age students um and i know some of you are uh, parents who might want to go back to college so super exciting check it out uh links in the show notes we have a blog etc I also, we also have a blog about our YouTube channel, which I alluded to. You should sign up for it. I talked about the Science Day thing. I talked about studies, Rochester CHOP. These are all, oh, there's an update on CHOP from Sydney. Punchline is sign up. You got to get there by June because by June, I think we're going to go in to start seeing people again. You really don't want to miss out on this, guys. It's an incredible opportunity to connect with uh, world, world-class doctors. And they give you a report that you could give to your doctors at home. Rare Disease Day, last day in February, is in about a month. That's super important. I will be going to D.C. along with many members of the SRF community to advocate on the Hill. It's super cool. Everyone's welcome. And um, check out that blog. And then fundraising. I'm going to finish with fundraising because all this stuff costs money. Sprint for Syngap is three short months away. April 27, 2024. If you've done it before, you know the drill. Make a team. Raise some money. If you haven't done it before, everybody does it. Get on the boat, people. Um, <coughs> more information coming soon. Set up your own page. You can raise money for your loved one and all that money goes to SRF and we use that to fund research. Also on June 8th, we are doing the million dollar bike ride in Philly here stateside and there is a golf tournament in Canada. Same day. I don't know why we did that, but we did it. The third annual scramble is going to be October 5th. The fourth annual Karen Gala, yay Karen, is October 18th. And the third Singap One conference will be hosted by SRF in Los Angeles the first weekend in December. Not too late, not too early to pre-register for that super, super special gathering of this powerful community. There's also a Ways to Give page, syngap.fun slash ways, on our website, which will give you lots of ideas for ways to fundraise for SRF. It takes money, guys, and if we all lean in and do what we can, we can move faster, we can help more kids sooner. That is the mission. That is the mission. We have made incredible progress in five years. And it is nothing compared to what we get to pull off in the next five years. Thanks for listening to this special double episode of Syngap 10, which I'm just now realizing is a double episode. And um, please leave comments either in the YouTube channel or send me a note or a text or a DM or whatever you've got. I'm excited to hear from you. 
I'm looking forward to 2024 being the year where we really get all this research into the clinic and start changing the lives of our loved ones and their families.